Welcome to Financially Ever After, where award-winning and nationally recognized financial expert Stacy Francis will bring you savvy tips and words of wisdom on how to secure your financial future before, during, and after divorce. For 30 minutes every other week, you'll hear personal stories from women who have either faced or are currently facing this transition. In addition, you'll also soak up knowledge and inspiration from the industry's top legal, financial, residential, and mental health professionals. And now here's our host, Stacy Francis. Thank you, Steve, and welcome to Financially Ever After. We are a podcast for you women who are thinking about or going through divorce. There are so many questions, and Financially Ever After is here as a resource. And today we're going to be talking to a woman who has a really unique perspective, um, both having experienced the divorce process herself, but also works uh, very closely with um, individuals going through divorce as a licensed marriage and family therapist. And today we have a woman here, Barbara Brennett, who has a really unique perspective that she's going to be sharing with us. And this perspective comes from two angles. First, of experiencing the divorce process herself, but also from a professional standpoint. You see, Barbara works as a licensed marriage and family therapist here in New York City around West 29th Street. And she incorporates many different therapies, some that you may have heard of, some that you haven't. Um, IFS, EMDR, the Gestalt therapy techniques into her work. And what we'll do is we'll unpack those and in our conversation, help you understand a little bit more about these different um, different therapies and techniques and how some of them might be useful for you. For the past 10 years, Barbara's been teaching, studying, and practicing internal family systems, IFS systems therapy. She's also held teaching and leadership positions in the Marriage and Family Therapy Master's Degree Program at Central Connecticut State University and at Hartford Families International Gestalt Therapy Training Program. She's currently on the faculty at NYU Medical School supervising psychiatric residents in family therapy. She works with couples, individuals, families in her private practice and on top of that runs a divorce recovery group for both men and women, which I'm really excited to hear a little bit more about. But before we before we jump into all of that, I just want to say a great big welcome and thank you for opening your heart, for being here and being willing to share your story. What we hear from the women who are listening to this podcast is that the actual stories mm-hmm. of women who have gone through divorce and come out on the other end are actually the stories that are most life-changing and also at the same time most heartening so Mm -hmm. i can't thank you enough for being here that's Mm -hmm. great so tell me a little bit about um what it was like in your family growing up did you have the typical you know father figure that might have dealt with the money and and mother not so much or what did that look like for you and and any impact that that might have had on on where you are today 
Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a traditional family uh, where my father was the breadwinner and my mother did everything else. And um, But I have a specific memory of every month as a child when you know my father would sit down at his desk in the foyer, in the open foyer of the house, and with his mail piled high, he'd be opening envelopes with the bills inside, and every so often you'd hear, Elaine, what's this for? Elaine, what's that for? And then you'd hear my mother's voice defending her purchases uh, for the month. And usually this ended up in my father yelling and all the kids scattering. And um, we all wondered why my mother wasn't able to stand up for herself. So there was like a, there was like this feeling of a, an unfairness and inequality in the household. Um, and my mother was always very generous with us, and she'd, she'd buy us anything we needed, but my father would get really mad because he didn't really understand, you know, what the purchases, and yet, you know, like being in the dark, you know, my mother not knowing about the finances, not having the knowledge that she would have needed to make some wise decisions and purchases, um, and then to be called on the carpet afterwards was just really daunting for her. And she just, it was shaming and humiliating. Um, and as, you know, we watched this and we watched the, you know, the, we, we were three daughters, you know, in a All family, girls. right, where there were gender roles that were very clearly stated. Um, and so, you know, we weren't really, we weren't really clear about the money, but the truth is neither was my father because he was a stockbroker. And so our whole world around money was watching the ticker tape go by and not knowing, you know, if stocks were up, you know, everybody would feel like, oh, we have all this money to spend. We can go spend money. And then stocks were down and we don't have money to spend. And it wasn't, it wasn't clear because that's not really reality as you, I'm sure know. Yeah. So, um, so it was, it was a roller coaster in my house and, um, yeah, so that's what it was like. That was my, my first experience of that. So being raised in that type of environment, um, did you, as you became independent and on your own, did you want to know more about money or watching that traumatic experience to say, hey, I'm not going to deal with this stuff. Yeah. It's not something I want to even yeah, dip I my just, toe in. No, I wanted to go as far away from money as possible. Money to me was, was tainted and dangerous. And mm -hmm. I just decided I'll do anything not to not to go near money. In fact, I mean, I had jobs and I made money. Yeah. But I would just turn it over to the accountant and, you know, not worry about my taxes or worry about yeah. anything like that. But then, you know, I really struggled managing my, my finances because I wasn't watching because I didn't want to see it. And, um, but I ended up marrying an accountant. <laughs> and so that was perfect. There's a yeah. person who was gonna who was gonna handle the money, and I didn't have to handle money anymore. So that was my solution. So how how was that solution? Was it was it a situation where you ever had to justify your expenses, or was it you know were there any money conflicts in your marriage at all, or was was it a, a, a you know kind of a tranquil type of relationship? Well, no, just like my mother, I ended up in the traditional roles where he was making the money and I was the person doing everything else. Yeah. And, um, and we had a different values around how to spend money. So, for instance, 
you know, going on a trip to Mexico, if I want to get a bottle of water that's $2.50, you know, that felt like I don't spend money that way. You know, it was one of those, was it uh, dollar wise, penny foolish or penny wise, I don't know, but it's the one where... Yeah, you're okay with penny, spending penny wise big. dollar foolish or yeah, it was penny the wise pound foolish. Yeah, <laughs> one of those. One of those things. So <laughs> anyway, he. Um, so, but for him, you know, to make an investment for a hundred thousand dollars on something that wasn't maybe well researched, that was okay. But the two dollars and fifty cents on the water in a place where the water isn't known to be um, very. Um, safe, safe yeah. right? Um, that just wasn't a, a good, a good thing. So we just, we just had conflict over that. We just didn't agree on that. Which, yeah. truthfully, you know, couples have have those disagreements on money anyway. It's typical that people would have that. And I'm going to flip back, and I hope you're okay with this. But um, in your practice, do you also see a lot of conflicts between couples and? The research that I've I've read uh, specifically about money fights, mm-hmm. fights about money, um, that they are even more likely to lead to a separation or a divorce mm-hmm. than conflicts about other subjects, whether it may be maybe family members or things like that. That money itself is such a heated emotional topic that if there is a significant significant disagreements about money unfortunately the chances for your marriage mm-hmm. are not are not good you know it is a source of conflict and it's it, it, there are underlying reasons why that would happen so you know oftentimes you know money is power and knowledge yeah. is power and knowledge about money is power <laughs> so the um so it really talks, it also speaks to the power differential in, in a relationship. Um, and at the end of the day, people don't feel good in a power differential in a relationship. Yeah. People want to marry an equal. People want to yeah. marry their peer. And, and peers don't have power differentials. Peers yeah. are on the, same, on, the, on the same page. So. And did you find in your marriage that, that money became one of the sources of a power differential too? Because I, I would imagine someone someone who is an accountant mm-hmm. is is up there essentially at the pinnacle mm-hmm. of knowledge around money mm-hmm. um, and then you have yourself where you had been cocooned in a situation almost a similar exact same situation of your father mm-hmm. being a stockbroker uh, again at the pinnacle of uh, financial knowledge and seeing your mom mm-hmm. um, seeing that power imbalance it almost seems as if you replayed that yes and which we often do by the way in marriages we often replay what we learned and what was modeled for us even so if we don't want it even if we don't want even it. if we don't want yeah it. And we typically do until we become aware and we wake up one day and go wait a minute what just happened <laughs> how did i do that so what happens is um you know, it, it, my mother was floating around in the dark about money and really had no idea. And and then I was doing the same thing. I found mm-hmm. myself doing the same thing. And it was, you know, some things happened in my marriage that made me feel so unsafe about our finances. And so it caused me to want to go back to school and get a degree, a master's degree in marriage and family therapy, because that was a 
a, a, um, a career that I was interested in, yeah. but I also knew at some point I was going to have to go back to work. And so, um, you know, going back to school for me either meant I was going to contribute to my family and we were going to have a you know dual income family and and that was going to be helpful or I was going to be on my own and be independent but either way it was a win-win for me that was important for me to get my feet on the ground and to really take back my power and control about finances and about you know what I was going to be doing in in the meantime and I have to say I really respect you Barbara because I can't imagine that was necessarily easy managing everything that you were managing and mm -hmm. having to face that reality yeah um, and I had three young children at the time so it was what were their ages they were I, I want to think like 12 10 and oh my gosh seven so I had three young children and um, three under 12 under 12 and I felt like you know what in order to save this family if I have to be in that position you know the truth is fortunately I didn't have to be in that position but if I had to yeah you were prepared I had to prepare to do that and I really the truth is I didn't even have a degree I had 155 credits I had two years at Boston University three years at Parsons School of Design I was scheduled to be a graphic designer back in the day and I left with my portfolio and four credits short of a degree because I didn't think that was important and my family didn't think it was important either so I just did that um, so you know fast forward all these years later like 20 years years later and I don't have a degree to go back to school to get my master's and so I had to find a way I had to go to a university without walls and figure out a way to piece together a degree with all my credits and they had me taking um, English and math classes and just to you know round out my yeah you know my art background and um, yeah so I got my undergraduate degree and then I ended up going to school to get my master's so how long did it take you um, to do that because I mean I, I I'm just gonna throw this out it, it yeah. sounds also like you were the primary caretaker that mm -hmm. your husband provided financially, but I can't mm -hmm. imagine that he was at school pickup for mm -hmm. all the pickups or, you know, attending mm -hmm. all these different doctor's appointments that, you know, we all right. know that the kids have and, and things like that. Yeah, he was helpful. And going back to school actually really helped to engage him more. That's and good. put him in a different role. So it was interesting. He did step up, which was really wonderful. Um, but it took me it took five years for me to go back to school and do a you know two and a half three year program um, because I had to get my undergraduate and I also had to delay over time because because I had the three kids I didn't want to pressure my family any more than I really felt like everybody was under pressure I have I wanted to go back to school eventually but I was going to wait until yeah. they got older because yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't need to go back to school at that moment, but I did, I did when I, when I felt like I had to, I did have to. And it became a choice point, you know, um, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to bring my husband to couples therapy. And for all the years I was in school, we were in couples therapy because I felt like, well, you know, at least, you know, if my marriage can be saved. Like I said, I would have a career and we'd be a dual income family and that would be fine. And if it couldn't, then I could be independent and be on my own. Did, did it become clear to you at any one point where 
you knew that you needed to separate or maybe get a divorce? Because it, it, it sounds like you had been thinking this was not an overnight decision necessarily. No, no it was a very long-term decision. I wanted my marriage to work and I wanted, I wanted it to, I wanted things to get better. Mm -hmm. um, you know, finances had a lot to do with what was happening and yeah. certain decision making. And I, um, I felt like in order to have my power and have, be able to make my own decisions about my future and my life and my kids' lives, that I needed to step out. Um, and you know, it, it actually ended up being a, a good decision for what we were going through. Mm -hmm. And how many years has that been since you had finalized the divorce? Um, I've been divorced for eight years. Eight years. Mm -hmm. So something that so many women I'm sure have shared with you and have shared with me is that when you're going through the process, um, it be it can be hard to to know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And what I'm hearing from mm -hmm. you is that it really was the right choice, and mm -hmm. that all the thought that you put into it of consciously mm -hmm. making this choice mm -hmm. helped you to to be independent and financially in a in a better place. I'll use the word safe because I know that you've talked a lot about that, but feeling mm -hmm. safer. Mm -hmm. um, do you, what would you say to women who, who were and are um, where you were, you know, eight years ago, 10 years ago? Well, I, the most important thing is I really feel like, you know, People need to become educated about their finances, to become educated and knowledgeable about things like their life insurance policies, their insurance, their um, investments, um, their budget, you know, and, and just as much financial knowledge as, as they can allow themselves to, to get to know. You know, it's interesting. If you grew up in a family like mine, you were so far away from it other than the fact that I memorized all the stuff on in my house and the stock uh, symbols and watched the ticker tape. Yeah, that, that actually yeah. became a comfort to me because it was on in my house all day long. But, um, you know, it, it was so uncomfortable for me to look at anything that had to do with money that when it, it came the time that I was going to have to manage my own money yeah. and I was going to be independent, um, I was terrified. And I, I pulled in a, um, a financial advisor and cried for the whole first year when she introduced me to these ideas because I felt like I was it was such a foreign language to me that I was afraid that I wasn't going to be able to manage all of the finances and I was afraid to trust another person because I just didn't know and it was it was frightening. It was frightening. So what I found was, and this is this is my advice to other women, is to really be able to ask for help, mm -hmm. to be able to step into need. If I need support, I used to take a friend with me to my lawyer and have her sit outside the waiting room 
so that when I went in and when I came out, she was there. And just because I always felt like there was an earthquake going on inside of me, because even being in a law office was very uncomfortable to me. So, you know, so you'd have a friend there, you'd, you know, hire professionals, um, join a group. I mean, I run a group at the 92nd Street Y. I highly recommend joining a group. Um, people there know what you're going through, have similar experiences, and it's the people you can talk to and not feel like you are bending their ear or they're yeah. going to be threatened by you or they're going to feel like they don't know what to do, don't know what to say, or it's not another woman in your life that you know, didn't have the courage yeah. you know, to step out or wasn't able to even understand what was happening yeah. or you know, people are just so frightened by you know, is divorce contagious? <laughs> you know, am yeah, I, um, yeah. you know, are you going to take my husband? Are are you, um, are you going to influence my wife to leave me? I mean, there's so many things mm -hmm. that people go through. And then in these divorce groups, at least people can talk about this. Yeah. And one of the things I do is help people not really complain about what happened. They have space to talk about what happened. But I really help people, I help empower people to really um, just just to grab onto their own inner resources so that they can get their needs met and so they can learn about all the fears and all the anger and all the yeah. sadness, the grief and all the different parts of them that um, get dredged up during this process. And we work through it and we help people get stronger so that they won't make the same mistakes and they'll be able to step into their lives and they'll be able to talk to the financial advisors and the lawyers and the professionals and feel their power and their strength as they do that and they won't feel all alone because they have this group behind them I've had groups literally go with each other whether it be to the hospital or to a lawyer or to someplace they support each other and it's a beautiful beautiful thing to watch so I, and I would love to have in the show notes um, where they can find out more about the 92nd Street Y uh, divorce support group. Is there a website that we can share um, where well, they can? I have a link. I don't have it with me now. I can share it with you. But they, all they have to do is go on 92nd Street Y and look up Dor Divorce Recovery Group. Okay. I'm the only one. <laughs> so they are welcome to call. I'm starting um, a new group February 25th. It's on a Monday night from 7 to 8.30. Um, and I just finished one. There were 12 people in the group. It was a fantastic experience for people. They're still getting together. Um, and the groups won run in six-week um, sessions and it's it's I mean it's short and normally I run them they're usually 18 weeks but the Y has asked me to keep keep them in six week segments and run them four times a year so I said that I would do it that way um, that way new people can enter a group yeah. each time yeah. so yeah I invite anybody who's going through this to come to my group because it's a place where they can really sort out yeah. what they're going through and, and really step into their power so they can feel um, like they have the resource to go forward. So I would love to hear from you. I, it's one of the few divorce recovery groups that I've heard of with men and women. And I've had some women share 
their concern of if they're in an adversarial divorce where their husband is really misbehaving and they feel like they do need a forum to be able to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Barbara, how do you deal with that? And have you heard other um, you know, women or men talking about that as a concern and knowing that there's, you know, everybody in, in there, men and women, we're all going through the same thing. Yes. So here, here's my thought on this. I've been running this group for eight years, not, not at the Y. A long time. Right. I started in Connecticut and I moved to New York <clears throat> City two years ago and I started running it in New York. Um, and what I found from the very beginning was I found like it was better to have a men's group and a women's group separately. That was my, I really I really preferred it that way because I agree that women would prefer to talk to women about those issues and men would prefer to talk to men about those issues. Um, the 92nd Street Y asked me to open up to both and said it was going to be a group for parents. And actually I am there representing Family Kind. So, Family Kind is uh, the nonprofit organization that helps parents, mm-hmm. not just women, but men and women, with um, their divorce concerns. So, um, so I agreed to open it up. But the truth is, that's the jury's still out on how that's gonna how that's gonna work. Last session, um, we had eleven women and one man. <laughs> And so, you know, I feel like even the men would probably prefer men's group. In the past, I have run men's groups separately and women's groups separately. And that seems to be, in my opinion, the best way to run the groups. So I... And all, all you listeners, too, will make sure that we put some information on uh, familykind.org. It's a fantastic organization, a charity to help support parents uh, who are going through divorce or potentially separating to be there for their children and put their children's first and be able to get through this process in as peaceful uh, and whole way as as possible. So I I want to share your thank thank you for for doing that. Mm. When you think about your divorce do you feel like you wish you had done anything better or made mistakes or are there any words of advice that you might give um, specifically to a friend who is, is facing a, a similar situation? Yeah, I mean, well, yes, it, there are many things, um, but the main thing is really to get educated and knowledgeable about finances and about things that are um you know, your rights, you know, meet with a lawyer, you know, meet with a financial advisor, meet with the professionals and get, do your homework. That's what I really want to say. Do your homework and homework and understand, you know, what you're going to be talking about. Yeah. Um, honestly, I do premarital counseling and I talk to people about doing this even before you get married. Like learn, you know, everybody should have the knowledge, you know, it's not, like, I mean, traditional roles are fine, but everybody needs to be in the loop, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so that's fine. Um, and, and, you know, truthfully, we have, um, you know, issues about childcare and issue, you know, it, it's like women typically are the ones to stay home uh, with the children. And so they tend to give up their you know their their power and their um, their careers early on, and and then they end up if if they're like me, they end up in the dark <laughs> because yeah. they just yeah. they just sort of say, well, you know what, you 
handle the finances, I'm going to handle everything else. But I do want to say this. This feels really important to me that the task of divorce is to, to get competent in all of those areas that you weren't competent in because you let your spouse do it. And that's both for men and for women. Yeah. You know, we tend to, somebody else has a strength in the family. We tend to just relinquish our rights. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even in a business partnership, we shouldn't do that. We mm-hmm. should really all be in the know and make conscious decisions about where we're going to distribute the our energies. So that that is the advice that I would like people to know is is to really, and to really go to a therapist and find out you know, where improvements could be made, mm-hmm. you know? If there's a problem, um, if, if, if a woman realizes that there, she, there's a problem in her marriage, mm-hmm. would it be better for her to reach out to a therapist to, to meet separately? Or do you recommend they start couples therapy? Or is it different in each case? How, how does someone know what the right situation mm-hmm. is and and I'll give myself as an example my husband and I had a really hard time after I had my daughter she was nine mm-hmm. and my son was three and I thought it was terrible twos no but it went on to terrible threes and terrible fours and then terrible fives it was a really hard time mm-hmm. and then just to throw into the mix um we had a puppy okay. because he my, my son we thought well if we get him a puppy mm-hmm. he won't be so upset by the fact that he has this little sister mm-hmm. oh my gosh barbara i mean talk about the the worst advice i would not inflict that advice on on my worst enemy the puppy um the puppy <laughs> yes. the puppy was worse than the new the newborn samantha was actually pretty well behaved not so much the puppy mm-hmm. um but at that point we were fighting so much fighting about mm-hmm. money fight, fighting about you know mm-hmm. my career his career um and i realized that this was something that we're going to need to do together Mm-hmm. And so we started seeing a couple therapists, which can I tell you, Barbara, saved our marriage. We have never been so happy. Mm-hmm. We're going on 20 years. That's I mean, like fun. I'm knocking on wood. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was very apparent that we had to do it together. But, you know, are there times when that's not going to work or maybe one of the parties, you know, the, the wife or the husband is not going to want to come to mm-hmm. couples therapy? Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, the first place that I would, or, or the first, um, what's the word? Um, the first thing to think about. First the- thing to think about is, uh, the first suggestion I would make is for someone to go to couples therapy unless there's domestic violence okay. or there's some reason why. So that's typically the best first step is yeah. together. If they, if, if both therapy. can come in together, certainly they can do their work as a couple. They can do their individual work within the context of the couple as long as it's safe. Mm-hmm. And the therapist should be able to evaluate the safety. Um, and you know, determine whether it's best to continue on as a couple or for individual to come in. But if you can't get your spouse to come in, then go yourself because any changes that can be made, even one spouse making those changes will change the dynamics of the system. And, and, you know, there's a possibility that the other person will change 
in a positive direction yeah. if, if you change in a positive direction. So there is a possibility to do that. I know for in my situation, the whole reason for couples therapy was because my, my husband had the problem, not me. Mm-hmm. Um, or, <laughs> or, or, or so I told myself and mm-hmm. um, I thought, you know, I'm just going to play along. It's really him. And Barbara, I have to tell you, it taught so much mm-hmm. about myself. Mm-hmm. And I realized what part I was playing. Yes. And took some time, but learned to take um, responsibility. And and the dynamic mm-hmm. is that if I have a penny, I'm going to save two. No surprise that uh-huh. I'm a, a, a financial planner. Right. And for my husband, if he has a penny, mm-hmm. he'll spend three. That's actually what his mother even said. Not even two, but he'll spend three. Wow. So you have these two very different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was very easy to be on my high horse and point the finger and say, he has the problem, not me. Right. But... I realized through this process that mm-hmm. some of my own expectations were completely unrealistic. Right. Completely. Right. And it was the best thing we've ever done. Mm-hmm. It can strengthen in marriage. our marriage. Right. And um, it, it I, I feel so blessed because, again, we're two very different money people, mm-hmm. but we found a system that works for us that makes me feel safe. Right. And for him, makes him feel like he's not you know, married to Uncle Sam. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, what's nice is that everybody comes to the table in a couples therapy session, and the hope is that everybody will reach inside themselves and be able to speak for the parts of them that are co-creating the dysfunction in in the couple or the the conflict in the couple. And, and that is, that's the art of couples therapy, is to really help people see that there's no beginning, there's no end. It's really a co-creation of, of two people trying to navigate a relationship. Mm-hmm. And people need to see where, what their part is in that yeah. transaction. What would, might you say to a woman who's listening today who has been doing couples therapy for uh, a year or two and it's just not um, maybe having the results uh, that she had hoped for. Have mm-hmm. you ever seen that? And, you know, what do you do? Uh, you know, what do you do? Well, you'd want to assess why, you yeah. know, what those results are. Are they realistic yeah. results? Yeah. Are they unrealistic? Um, you know, what, what is she hoping for? So it really just depends. It really does depend. And sometimes people are stuck. Um, and there are some things going on behind the scenes that aren't coming into the therapy room. Yeah, and then you true. have to assess that as well. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, marriages are, a, a, it's, it's like a, a, a Petri dish, <laughs> you know, for people to come in and, and just be able to work out all of their attachment wounds and their, their family ancestral issues that that they can come together and work towards healing each other. And it's such a beautiful thing if people use it as that resource and as that um, place to do that. You know, you could really get a lot from being in relationship with another person, period. Yeah, Um, Yeah. You learn a lot about yourself and just being able to 
you know, coexist yeah. with some other people. And then you have kids, and the same thing is happening. <laughs> and then maybe throw a puppy in there too. And so. you throw a puppy in there. And it's amazing how they end up in in the in the family. Um, they have the family personality. Isn't it amazing how puppies end up being? Like, how did that puppy end up being exactly like those kids? <laughs> I know, funny. I know. Yeah. And we, we adopted um, a puppy. So this was when this happened. This was, uh, wow, 10 years ago when we um, were dealing with therapy. And uh, our, our, unfortunately, she eventually passed away. And so we adopted a new puppy. And I have to say, all the things that we learned in couples therapy and working uh-huh. together, of course, to parent our kids has come in handy with this puppy when you know the puppy Mm. eats my shoes the puppy makes a mess Mm. that you know so um yes we're moving so uh so fast but at the same time we're we're coming up to the the end of our time together Mm -hmm. my next question um that i would love to make sure that you tell us a little bit more about is how you find a therapist for people here in New York, um, we will have your information. We'll also have the information for the uh, divorce recovery group through the 92nd Street Y. Um, but we have hundreds of thousands of listeners throughout all of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone wants to see a therapist face to face, I know for me, one of the things that held me back from reaching out is I just didn't know where to turn. Mm-hmm. And I felt a little bit worried about being judged, so I didn't want to reach out to my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any resources that you might suggest sure. or conversations you could have with a friend to ask and not essentially put them on the spot and say, hey, are you doing couples therapy? Who do right. you use? <laughs> right. um, what are some thoughts? Um, well, the first thing is to go to Psychology Today. Okay, Psychology you know, Today. It's a great resource, and just type in your location, Great. Um, your, your zip code, I believe, and what you're looking for, whether it's a marriage therapist or a, a family therapist or an individual therapist, and you can even type in, you could just go to Google and type in um, anxiety and yeah. you'll get a yeah. whole bunch of therapists or depression or yeah. and then what you do is you go to their website because usually there's a link to the website and usually the website will really they'll give you a picture they'll give you a sense yeah. of who yeah. you're going to be seeing some therapists now and I'm, I'm hoping to get this from my website but have like a little video introduction oh, at nice. the beginning of their website yeah. and it's really nice because then you could really see them in action talking um, but also I would say don't just land on the first one like interview a few people I mean you may have to pay you probably have to pay for the sessions but therapy the the most important thing is the fit between the client and therapist and just because your friend says this is a great therapist that might not be a great fit for you Mm -hmm. so and I tell all my clients when they come in we need to spend a little time together whether today or today and next time or whatever and, and then make a decision whether you want to work with me or not. Let's see if this is a good fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because otherwise nothing's going to happen. And then you hope that the therapist has some knowledge and and, and, and some expertise to help you. Well, you hope that in the beginning. But anyway. Um, so as we wrap up, can you share um, your website so that our listeners can go to that? And I'll make sure that that's in the show notes as well as the link to psychology today too for those that might be out of the you know, the New York tri-state area. Sure. Um, my website is www.barbarabennettlmft.com. 
and um, on there they will see all the different uh, people, types of people that I work with, and my groups are on there, um, and some stories. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Well, Barbara, I can't thank you enough for being here, for uh, sharing your personal story, but I think what's so powerful about this is that not only it's your story, but the, you know, dozens, hundreds of people that you've worked through through this process. So thank you for opening your heart, for being so honest and um, willing to, to share, because I know it's been very, very, very helpful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I did feel like um, I, I, I thought about what I wanted to share. And I think what, what I came to was that, you know, people need to know that I'm okay with my own humanness and my own um, story, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that I felt like, you know, I need the courage, we need the courage to tell our stories so yeah. that other people don't feel so alone and that yeah. they realize that they're not the only ones out there. And and we've worked really hard. I've worked really hard to come to the conclusions that I've come to and to prepare my divorce recovery group that I've worked on for years creating in my own fashion so that people um, can benefit from what I've learned. Well, you have such a warm, inviting nature, and I just want to say thank you, too, because it made me feel like I could be real mm-hmm. and share that, you know, I've had struggles, and um, it you know, hasn't necessarily been easy, but I find that the more honest and authentic we are, mm-hmm. um, the more powerful living life really is. So thank yeah, you. Agreed. Thank you. So thank you everyone for listening in and investing in yourself financially ever after coming to you every other Tuesday with great information. Make 2019 your best year yet. And one of those things is continuing to stand on your journey of understanding your finances and most importantly, getting the support that you need. Thank you, Barbara, and we'll be talking to you in two weeks.